Hey, Chapel family. Thank you so much for welcoming me. Special shout out to Baylife Church and the chapel for bringing my family and myself into your dynamic. Speaking of family, allow me to introduce my family to you. This is my wife, Janice. This is my son, Richard. He's four years old. And this is my daughter, Catalina. Men, again, thank you so much for your warmth, your comfort, and we're so happy to be here, and we look forward to growing with you guys, and we look forward to getting to know you guys. Today, I'm super excited for the word that God has placed on my heart to share with you. The last time I spoke to you, it came from Psalm chapter 27, and the encouragement was, is that your courage should not come from what you see, but it should come from God's strength. Today, I have a question that's going to phrase or set up what we're talking about. I mean, have something ever happened to you? Has something ever happened to you that made you wonder, is God for you? Have you ever been going through life and you've been hit by a storm and you look at God and you say, Lord, man, what, what did I do? Are, are you for me or is something going on? If you've ever asked that question, our text today is going to help you understand that you can trust God in a time of trouble. If you have your Bibles, if you have your iPad, your iPhone, your eyeballs, let's go with me to the book of Daniel chapter six. We're going to read verse 16, and then I'm gonna pull you back up to speed and let you know how we arrived at verse 16. Let's read together. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help. Amen. I love saying short prayers because whenever I'm in trouble, that's how I pray. And here we're being introduced to a story right in the thick of things where someone is in trouble. And if I can be honest with you, in my personal life, Man, it's so hard to stay calm during times of calamity. It's so hard to trust God in times of trouble. But Daniel is going to show us that God never stops loving us and he never leaves us. Man, somebody told me something that was so profound to me that just because God is with you in the trial doesn't mean that he would remove you from the trial. Have you ever faced a trial in your life where you were praying that God would remove you from that trial and God is saying, no, I want you to go through it. And I had a conversation with God where I say, hey, if I'm a believer, if I am living my life trying to uphold the moral and codes of scripture that you have given me, shouldn't my life be easier and not harder? And God told me something. He said, Richard, for you specifically, there are two reasons why I introduced test into your life. I don't bring you trials. I test you. There are two reasons why I test you. The first reason is simply this. I want you to be dependent on me. There are a lot of things in your life that is seeking for you to glorify it. But I want you to glorify me. When there are tests in your life, you pray more. You love me harder because you know that you need me. And we're trying, and I am trying to get to the point to where that is just my normal life routine. But if I can be honest, there is nothing like a good test that brings you back to the feet of Jesus, where you have to cry, Father, please help. 
The second reason why I test you is because I want others to see that I am dependable. That when they look at what happens in your life, based on how you handle it and what you go through, they can say, I can trust the God that Richard serves. His God is a God that delivers. Men, what are you going through today that God is saying, I want to bring you closer to me. I want to increase your prayer life. I want to increase your devotion to me. Or maybe he's saying, I want those around you to know that I am dependable. So I want them to look at your life. God has chosen you as a vessel of faith for him to say, hey, I'm going to use your life to show other people that even in times of trouble, they can trust me. Daniel is sort of going through this. In Daniel chapter six, verses one through four, talks about the testimony of Daniel. What makes him such a honoring man in this chapter. In verses 5 through 16, you see the trials of Daniel, what was set up to try to make him fall and falter. And in verses 17 through about 24, we're going to be talking about the triumph of God, that even though someone sets something up against you, because you serve a God that does not fail, he will not fail you. Let's talk about Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, his whole life comes into a ruin. Judah is invaded by King Darius and his army. They kill almost every male in his country, and they take the young nobles, the individuals who come from royalty, and they bring them back into this kingdom. When they bring them back into this kingdom, we're introducing chapter number two to the king having the dream that has kept him up all night. He had a dream. No one was able to interpret it. They said, hey, there is this guy by the name of Daniel. Daniel walks in on the scene. Daniel interprets the king's dream. In chapter number three, we're introduced to three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And because they did not bow to a false idol, God did not let them burn. In chapters number four and five, we see Daniel coming back on the scene, interpreting more dreams and being a bold vessel for God. In chapter number six, we are at the latter portion of Daniel's life to where now he is risen in the ranks. Well, how far has Daniel actually risen in the ranks in this kingdom in which he was captured and brought into? Let me tell you. King Darius has over 120 governors. We see this in verses one through four. He has 120 governors, which they call satraps. And Within that 120, he put three individuals over them to monitor them to ensure that the kingdom is running efficiently. Of those three, guess who is one of them? Daniel is. So Daniel has risen to the ranks and he has so much, he has so much influence that the Bible says within those four, first four verses that King Darius actually wanted to promote Daniel to run the entire kingdom. If you are not in the church, this story is for you. If you don't work for a church, if you're like, man, I think prayer are more for professional religious people and pastors, this is for you. This brother did not work in the church. Daniel was an elected official. Daniel was a high-ranking official. Daniel had the clout that when he walked into a room, everyone stopped what they were doing and they acknowledged the presence of Daniel. Daniel was about to run the entire kingdom. But it goes back to that question. Have you ever been living life and everything is going fine? And then one day you wake up and it seems like your world has been tossed upside down. 
That's what happened to Daniel. Verses 4 through 16, we see the trial of Daniel. His two co-workers realizes that Daniel is about to rule the kingdom. So now they institute what my peers would call hate. They're, they're hating and they have a disdain for Daniel solely because of his position. Maybe you've experienced this at work. Because you're so good at what you do, people naturally don't like you because they want to compete with you. So here it is. They set a trap for Daniel. But it's hard to set a trap for Daniel because Daniel is such an upright person that you can't necessarily trap him. So they said the only way that we can actually do something to make Daniel fall into a situation where his job may be compromised is we have to juxtapose. We have to make him choose between following the rule and his religious system. Your job in our sense, or Jesus. Daniel was a man of impeccable habits. Daniel prayed on a consistent basis, and they knew that. So what they said was the same thing, the same way how we try to trap the Hebrew boys in Daniel chapter 3, to which anytime they saw the golden figure, they were to bow. How about we reverse engineer that trap in chapter 3, bring it to chapter 6, and say, let's have King Darius sign a decree that says, if anyone prays to any other deity or any other god except King Darius, God Darius, let them be thrown into the lion's den. King Darius heard this and he said, I like it. Let's stamp this decree. And in his law, whenever a decree was stamped and sealed with the signet ring, it was irrevocable. Knowing this, the Bible says between verses 4 through 16, when Daniel heard this, he did not shy away from it. He actually went to a window that pointed towards Judah, that pointed towards Jerusalem, and he prayed not once, not twice, but three times a day. Daniel was defiant even in the midst of danger. His habits did not start even though the heat was starting to rise. His harvest did not cease, even though the heat was starting to rise. Daniel still did what he did in time of peace, in his time of trouble, which was pray. And what Daniel is about to show us is we can trust God in the time of trouble. That when God brings tests our way, it's so that we can be more reliant on him and that others can look and see about the God that we serve. Now, here is something that bothered me in this whole text. Throughout the whole of Daniel chapter 6, you know who I didn't see speak? Or you know what verses I did not read? The verses that said that God was going to deliver Daniel. There is nowhere in this text where I saw Daniel went and prayed and God said, don't worry, Daniel, I am going to deliver you. Don't worry, Daniel, I'm going to be right next to you. And I thought, isn't that how God is sometimes? That even in the midst of our deepest troubles, that God goes silent? But then the Lord gave me a revelation. The Lord didn't need to speak out loud because he already spoke in Daniel's heart. I went back to the previous chapters. Chapter number one, he rescued his life from the danger of Darius. Chapter number two, he spoke to him about the dream of Darius. Chapter number three, he showed Daniel that I'm going to cover you when you don't bow to idols. All these different things was God telling Daniel, I have your back. 
So here's my encouragement to you. If God is silent in your trouble season, go back and look at his resume. Go back and look at what he has done for you to show you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. The children of Israel, when they won a marvelous battle, when they cross over the seas and they won fights, they would do something that was impeccable. They would put stones of remembrance in those locations. Not just for them to remember what God did, but for other people when they were coming behind them to remember the God that delivered them. And I remember a time where I needed God so bad to deliver me. I remember so t- a time that I wanted God to take me out of a trial, but he allowed me to go through it. It was freshman year in college. I was on the campus in University of South Florida, and I was in a world religions course. Day one of the course, the world religions teacher walked in and he said, how many Christians do we have in this room? Man, you know me. I want to live my faith out loud. So what did I do? Man, I raised my hand and I raised it high and I raised it proud. He was skimming the room over 300 students. He started from the left side. His eyes began to gaze. And then he looked like he was looking in my direction. He said, you. So when he pointed, I immediately turned around, hoping that it would be someone else. But to my amazement, my hand was the only hand that was up. And he said, you, young man. I said, yes, sir. He said, hey, my goal is that by the end of this course, I want you to know that that Christian God that you serve does not exist. And he is a false God. In my mind, I said, man, you don't know who you're messing with. My God is about to show out. I didn't tell him that, but in my mind, I surely thunk it. All the thoughts pervading through, I said, man, this is going to be a fun semester. Every single time I came to class, he threw things at me. Your God is a false God. Your origin story is not real. How do you know that your God is the only God? All these other gods have similar stories. And it came time At the end of the class, at the end of that semester, we had to write a paper comparing all of their religions. I remember going into his office because we had several conversations and he began to read my paper. And as he's reading my paper, he's nodding. He's like, "Mm, this is good. I could tell you paid attention in class. And at the end of my paper, he looked to me. You know what he said? I want you to draw closer to this. He said, Richard. This is a beautifully written paper. There's only one problem. You chose a side. You said that God, Jesus, is the only God. And in academia, we don't choose. We let others decide. I said, well, I'm sorry. He said, well, here's the thing. If you don't change that paper, I am going to give you an F. And here I am. I am torn between two things now. The $2,500 that I paid for that semester, the time of studying, all the investment. Do I choose my grade or do I choose my God? And there was conflict on the inside of me because of this. If I chose my grade, the only one that would read that paper would be my professor and me. No one would ever know. If I choose my grade, The money, the investment, it does not go down the drain. But if I choose my God, it's looking like the money, the investment, my 
everything goes down the drain. So I looked at that teacher and this is what I said. You can fail me if you like, but there is no way I'm choosing my grade over my God. And I walked out of that class with my head held high. I stormed out of his office like you couldn't touch me. I fluffed my jacket out and everything. Actually, I wasn't wearing a jacket. But if I was, I would fan it out to create a, a fanning effect, right? And I was telling my friend about the whole story. And he was like, wait, you chose God over your grade? I said, yeah. He said, ironically, I know the dean of that college. He's actually close friends with my family. I said, shut your mouth. He said, let me make a phone call. Long story short, the dean brought me into his office. I had a conversation with the dean about what that teacher was doing, and how he singled me out throughout the entire semester. The dean said, don't worry about it. I'm going to handle this. He had a conversation with that professor that I wasn't privy to. Long story short, Richard left that class with an A. I wanted to be removed from it, but God said you had to go through it. Now, for me, it was between my God and my grade. For you, it may be between your job. It may be something in your family. I don't know what it is that you're going through, but I'm just here to tell you today that you can trust God in your time of trouble. That maybe your test is to bring you closer to God or to show others that you can, they can depend on God. Here's the thing. After Daniel began to pray, the king was forced to throw his friends, his friend Daniel, into the lion's den. Verse 16 is where we pick up. And then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And here is what I want you to get. The king says, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. This is going to be very important. He says, may your God, showing that it isn't his God, but he is going to watch to see if Daniel's God is going to deliver him. And as you continue to read the story, it says that the king went back to his chambers and sleep escaped him. Isn't that the truth about when we're going through things that the people around us, they lose sleep over it. We lose sleep over it. But, you know, there is one person that I'm not reading about that's actually not panicking in this situation is Daniel. Throughout this situation, Daniel knew something that maybe we don't at times. That it doesn't matter what we go through. It matters who we go through it with. That as long as God is with us, it doesn't matter what comes our way. God is with us and we can trust God in the time of trouble. So he throws Daniel in the lion's den and all night he can't sleep. All night he's thinking, man, what is happening with my friend Daniel? All night his mind is troubled. And then something happens. Something beautiful happens in this text. Come closer. Come real close. I want you to read this in the text with me. Let's pick up your Bibles. Let's, 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 let's look at it. In verse 17, a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring. It almost reminded me of the stone that was rolled in front of the grave of Jesus and that was sealed with the Roman signet ring. But when you serve a God that is resurrected from the grave, 
The grave that the enemy wants to put you in can keep you there. The situation that wants to hold you down cannot hold down an infinite God. It cannot hold down a God that is above everything. The seal is not strong enough. The lions are not hungry enough to devour Daniel. Here it is. Verse 18, the king went to his palace and spent the entire night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. Verse 19, then at daybreak, the king rose and with haste, in a hurry, he went to the lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. King declared to Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions. And here is where we have to pause parenthetically. He said, has your God, whom you serve continually, the people around you, when you are going through trials, do they know the God that you serve? Do they know, based on your habits and your practices, that you serve the one true living God? He is wondering. He is looking to see if the God of Daniel is dependable. And I'm willing, I'm willing to ask the question, how many children are looking at parents today, wondering if their God is dependable? How many neighbors are looking at Christians saying, I wonder if their God is dependable? How many of you are bosses and, and are in authoritative positions on your workplace where your minions, your co-workers, the people that, that look to you, your direct reports are looking at you, asking the question, I wonder if their God is dependable. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. I was able to save myself. Of course he didn't say that. He said, O king, my God, look who he's giving the glory to. He is giving the glory to God. Now we're about to transition into the triumph of God in this situation. When God triumphs, he triumphs so you can give him the glory and then him, he can be raised on high for all to see that he is dependable. He says, my God has sent the angels to shut the mouths of the lions and deliver me. If the story ended there, the critics will be able to say the reason why Daniel wasn't eaten was because the lions weren't hungry. But look what happens next. He said, I was not harmed because I trusted in God. The king went and commanded that Daniel be taken out the, the lion's den. And the people who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought into it and cast into the lens, into the den of the lion. Their children were cast into it, the wives were cast into it, and they were cast into it. And before they can hit the bottom, their bones were destroyed. And I want you to see the transition that happens. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nation, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Now check this out. For he is the living God. Darius went from is your God whom you serve able to deliver you from to, hey, your God is the living God. And when you show people that your God is dependable, they start to depend 
on him. I can feel God preaching in this place today. When you show people that your God is dependable, they begin to depend on him. And look at what he did. He said, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall have no end. Verse 27, he delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he is the one who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. He gets the glory. He did it. And I am wondering today if there are some things happening in your life where God wants to have others around you say, God is the one that delivered you. And because he delivered you, I too will serve this God. Man, that's good. So here's why I want to close this today. I want you to know, number one, that you can trust God in the time of trouble, that you can stay calm in the time of calamity, that when test comes into your life, that number one, the test comes so that you can rely on God. And number two, so that other people can depend on God based on your trials. Your trial shows others that God is dependable. Here's what I love about Daniel. Daniel did not make decisions based on his convenience. He made it based on his convictions. And that is, why I'm, that is what I'm asking you to do today. Whatever it is that you're going through, I want you to believe God. I want you to believe your convictions that God is able to rescue you from impossible situations. He is able to shut the mouths of lions and he is able to bring you through a situation whole and pure. If you have a prayer request today, I want you to put it in the chat and there are people ready to pray for you. Family, there's a God who sits on the throne and that God you are able to trust in your time of trouble. Let's pray. Lord, help. Now to the king who is eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, to him be the glory now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for tuning in today and we look forward to seeing you next week.